You're listening to Soccer Talk in the Park, the official podcast of the Sherwood Park District Soccer Association. Well, how's everybody doing? We are here for yet another edition of Soccer Talk in the Park, which is the official podcast of the Sherwood Park District Soccer Association. I wonder how many people actually get somewhat annoyed because they've just heard the intro. And then I spill over and do it all again. <laughs> Somebody's got to. Joined in studio, as always, with the uh, technical director of the club, Sean Lother. Sean, how are you? I'm good. It's a good day today. Newcastle United were just sold for £300 million. What? To the Saudis. Wow. Okay, that is some huge news. We will be... We'll be chatting about EPL and, uh, and the Premier League a little bit later, but that's fantastic. They are 10 times richer than the Man City owners. Oh my God. Imagine what's going to happen now with players coming in and an ability for a manager to actually spend some cash. Ronaldo's, Ronaldo's in Newcastle? Yeah. <laughs> and that voice you're hearing, obviously, D. Govender. D is the um, community director here at the club. Uh, or director of community programming. I, I never know what to say anymore. I'm always at a loss. I'm always since Peyton come on has come on board. We've had to restructure how DW pronounces the different programming. Um, or not programming, just the titles, titles. that everyone has. Titles. titles. There we go. And uh, joined on the line, special guest today from the Calgary Minor Soccer Association. We have oh, we have the little. I, I, there must be a ship coming in somewhere. <laughs> Um, is that is that you? Is that's that me? Is that me? No, no that's it's Jordan's phone. It's Jordan Stewart on the line. How are you, Jordan? Yeah, doing all right, guys. Thanks for thanks for having me. And and Sean, I hope uh, some of this body money could save you guys from the drop because uh, it's not looking good right now. Yeah, don't worry about that. It's going to be okay. <laughs> <laughs> the Saudis are at the wheel. It won't be good, right? The January transfer window just got real interesting. Imagine that. Imagine the money that could be spent here in the next little bit by the club. Because you know what? They haven't looked bad at any of the performance. Uh, let's save it. We'll save that towards the end here. Yeah. We'll, we'll discuss it then. Um so we'll, we'll start off with just a, a little bit of thoughts about what's happening within the club and how we're doing. And um, we'll see how things are going via Mr. Lother here. What's, what's your thoughts on how, how things are going or what, what are we doing right now? Well, it's a, it's a busy time. Uh, we don't have a lot of uh, changeover from outdoor to indoor, uh, even less this year than we have in previous years because of COVID and the season getting extended, etc. But, um, you know, I've been at uh, allocation meetings with EMSA on uh -huh. Tuesday night, and then I'm back there again tonight uh, to see where we're putting our Phoenix team. So that'll be finalized uh, tonight. Then we get a schedule together for training, et cetera, and get out to the teams. And then obviously with the community program, that's all getting organized right now. Uh, registration's just, just about done. Uh, so those uh, schedules get put together, and away we go next week. Yeah. It's starting pretty great. And, and I'm, I'm going to jump in on that because I was here when you, um, it, we were inside the boardroom where we record this. And last week I was sitting here, it might even been Monday, actually, not even last week, but Monday, sitting here and, and listening to where are we going to place these teams. And I cannot believe the, just the, the amount of structuring and, and work that goes into placing these teams in the right place to get the right uh, competition level for them to, you know, to, to make sure that the league that they're going into is appropriate in its its own structure and how they run it. And it's, wow, what a, what a task. And I, I feel for you and for anybody, I'm sure, Jordan, you have to go through a similar type things in Calgary um, in regards to structure, but it's, it's crazy. Well, it is. I mean, until you actually start the games and play against opposition, you don't exactly know if you put them in the right place or not. Um, uh, but you try your best based on some historical data you have and uh, where teams are being placed by the other clubs. But uh, we'll see what happens. You know, we've got the skill centres starting up this year for the first time at the U9 age group uh, for the Phoenix boys and girls. So that's a new... Uh, wrinkle in the that's a PDP <laughs> driven or CSA driven that's thing, a CSA driven skill center initiative yeah. Uh, yeah. where basically it's fluid rosters where you can move kids from team to team without doing transfers etc so that'll be and uh, that's only at the U9 age group and then it'll 
it will build in grandfathering every year to get to U12. So uh, let's see how that goes. Yeah, and you're going to be instrumental in that, are you not, D? Uh, yeah, just uh, a little bit of a programming change on my side of things, taking uh, some more you know, directive from Sean and, and working with Dano and uh, with the, our Phoenix director, of course, um, on the U9 to U12 boys side and, and helping the technical leads there and, you know, taking my direction from, from our TD and, and, you know, supporting those groups and, you know, looking to, to build, you know, curriculum and, and looking to work with the coaches to have programming that's consistent all the way across the board and, and that's progressive as well. So, yeah, I'm excited for it. Oh, that's good. And I know uh, Peyton Ross, uh, our new director of female programming. Well hey. done, yeah. son. Well done. Yeah. <laughs> He's got it. <laughs> she's uh, she's also going to be a, a huge part of that. And and I forgot to mention, uh, she had a previous engagement, wasn't able to make the show, and Dano actually had a, a babysitting issue. So <laughs> he's had to uh, stay at home with the Bambino uh, in regards to that. But uh, Jordan... Do you guys have the same kind of, uh, you know, things, allocation meetings, all that sort of stuff to, to prepare for your seasons as well? Yeah, quite similar. Um, you know, CMSA goes through a process of, of asking the clubs to, to declare their tier one teams. From there, that filters down through the rest of the league. And, and I spend about a week of my life uh, on the phone calling every technical director in the city, uh, going through where they're putting their teams and, and them justifying it, just trying to find uh, meaningful competition for as many of the, the, the teams as we possibly can and to, to try to minimize those kind of lopsided results and, uh, and really try and put the players first and, and, and give them a, a good developmental avenue through, through the competitions that CMSA run. Yeah. Uh, well, that's, I mean, it, it does sound very similar to up here. The The problem is there's two governing bodies here in, in our lovely area of Edmonton and you've got ESA and you've got EMSA and they, and they both uh, have their own thoughts on, on how to, how to run things and structure things. And um, let's not get into that. We won't. No, no. Yeah. I'm, I'm just saying that it, it, it just makes it a little bit more, um, uh, I, I, the term isn't difficult. It just makes it more. It's challenging. It's challenging. You have to yeah. be on top of things a little bit more as a club, trying to trying to get involved and, and make things work. Um, speaking of the development, which you you sort of slid into that, I should have just gone straight into that little segue there, Jordan. But um, yeah, youth development as it sits at the moment, and my thoughts are more with the well. We'll just go right into the PDP end of things. So the player. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I was just going to touch on just a little bit there with Jordan and, sure. and what Sean was going on about at the skill center. So, Jordan, do you, you you guys have started something up in the summer, I believe, right, in, in regards to the skill center, or, or or am I wrong about that? No, you're not wrong, D. Uh, skill center is, is a kind of club-specific program, right? So that's the, the kind of standardization of the academy programs that are open and accessible to, to players within the club. And then the the kind of way that that changes things is as Sean was talking about through the open roster concept. So what we did down here uh, in Calgary is is we looked to consult with with Halifax and how they shifted into what they were doing and spent a lot of time with both Alberta Soccer and Canada Soccer and, and Dave Nutt specifically at Canada Soccer into how we can uh, allow for teams to to have accessible. Uh, inclusive and child-centric uh, and and really enjoyable match days uh, for all the players within Calgary. And so what we landed on is a, a U7 to U9. We initially called it the Festival League. Now we've, we've modified that into the Grassroots League because it will eventually roll into U7 straight through U12 within the next three to four years. Uh, and it's it's exactly what it sounds like clubs that are geographically close to each other get together come to one centralized location play matches that are, are about 15 minutes in length uh, they rotate around and and the clubs are given the freedom and, and the autonomy to move players move teams and, and find good meaningful competition for all players on the day um, obviously change is hard and, and there was a lot of, of change management and consulting the members and stakeholders when we were doing this but 
uh, I'm pleased to say that a lot of the naysayers at the beginning when we were trying to do this actually became very supportive and very positive about the initiative uh, by the end. So it, it turned out to be a really, really great uh, modification to what CMSA was doing. And, and we're looking forward to implementing that into the indoor season, which of course has its own facility constraints and, and its own problems to, to work through. But uh, the clubs have been really, really supportive. Uh, they they bought in, uh, and we're actually seeing more and more players registered within this format than we did previously. And and the breakdown of the of how to to deliver the programming to the your stakeholders was that done over like a meeting, or does it done over phone calls, or how, how did you uh, how did you put the programming forward? Yeah, so put it forward through about six months. Of, of meeting, consultation, of revisions and modifications and, and solicit from every single club, all the technical directors, uh, all of their staff to, to make sure that we built it together uh, within all of the clubs here in Calgary. So they all had an ownership stake. Uh, they all had a vested interest in making sure that it was successful. And then they also have been really, really good in keeping each other accountable uh, come the match days because there's really nowhere to hide. And, and if if players aren't being grouped according to, to how uh, it's recommended to group them on the day, uh, you know, just, there's a level of, of collaboration and also accountability that everyone can hold each other to and, and really put the players first as opposed to a, a, an outcome in terms of winning uh, being put first. And, and that's the struggle, I think, in general. Uh, it's just that whole changing of the minds of the both the parents that are involved and then the coaches that are involved with regards to having that thought process of win 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 especially when you're talking about such a young age group what are your thoughts there john yeah i mean it's a problem when you know coaches are more concerned about the end result rather than how they play the game and I'm not trying to demean the importance of competitiveness mm-hmm. uh, but it's how you determine competitiveness to me, it's, it's determined by a 1v1 battles, a left winger against a right back, who's going to win that battle at that time. Mm-hmm. That is competitive, not winning a game 10, 15, nil. Yeah. So it's in individual matchups on the field for players and teams that create that competitive balance where you can be tested. Um, unfortunately, uh, in Alberta, and not just Alberta, Canada and North America in particular, it's more about the end result that, that counts. And then parents can recruit players onto their team, make, make, make them a better team, and then go on to win leagues and go to nationals, etc. But at the end of the day, it doesn't really develop players. And a great example is goalkeepers. If you're playing for the best team in the city, by far, winning every game 10, 11, 12 nil, what development are you getting as a goalkeeper? <laughs> You know, so just from that perspective alone, it's important that we create that competitive balance. For sure. And win some, lose some, draw some, um, you know, that's what we're looking for. Yeah, and, and I can see that. What are, you, what are you thinking there? You're smiling. No, it's absolutely bang on. I said, who's going to be the trendsetter that says, I'm going to take my son to the worst team in the league? Well, it's, it, it's <laughs> But they have a great coach. You know what? It's, it's funny. I've had that conversation with goalkeepers about, the development part of it and they all want to play like any player you, you want to play on that better team or or the best team because again it's been drummed into the win 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 thing and travel to all the best you know tournaments to win those or go on to nationals um and at the young, younger age groups it's it really does have to be about the development and i've had those conversations where it's like don't play for that best team why don't you find the worst team in the league? If you think you're all that in a bag of chips, then let's see it. Let's help you develop by you seeing more scenarios, more situations, more abilities and ways of stopping a ball um, as a goalkeeper. That's the only way you're going to get better. The only way. Yeah, I mean, you know, I've been fortunate to be involved with a lot of good players over the years and some good teams. uh, And mostly we produce players that are good going forward recently. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, players with lots of ability, skill, etc. But we're not producing great defenders the way we used to. 
or even great goalkeepers. Mm-hmm. You know, I yeah. think of the goalkeepers, you know, back 30 years ago mm-hmm. that we had in Canada were fantastic. And now there's, there's very few. And it's because the, the the mentality of Canadian soccer, and this wasn't just Canada soccer, this was provincial associations, clubs, whatever. It was about, let's let's put skill into players. Let's make them more skillful. Let's make them more dynamic and take players on and great ball mastery. And we forgot about the defending aspect of the game. Mm. You know, and the Canadian national teams play Mexico tonight. They're going to have to defend. Yeah. You know, it's very important that they, they defend well tonight and then their abilities, the Alfonso Davises, the Jonathan Davids, you know, can shine at certain moments in the game mm. and hopefully snatch a win, yeah. which we're all hoping for, obviously. But if you can't defend, you're going to struggle yeah. uh, to create a, a good team that can win things. What do you think there, Jordan? Are you... Uh Emphasis on defending or just all around or, I mean, I mean, it, it, we end up coaching all around as best we can. Um, obviously, the, the the biggest platform to start with when you're working with teams and, and players is the defensive side of the game, I would think. Skill level as far as the young players go with regards to like being able to pass a ball and control a ball. Um, but when you start getting into the, the tactical side of things, I mean... Defense is everything, isn't it? Sorry, that, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm, I'm oh. just, I'm just talking about there was such an emphasis on attacking skills, you know, ball mastery and be able, be able to take players on that we forgot about defense's aspect mm-hmm. in in pre, in previous yeah, years. Yeah, no, no, that's, I, that's what I'm just talking. Yeah, about. so so my thoughts are: is there a way within coaching that we can be a little bit more well-rounded and um, and be able to incorporate, you know, all aspects of the game. <laughs> I don't know. Thoughts? Well, I think, like, to jump in there, guys, I think defending is a skill unto itself, either in a 1v1 matchup or in a tactical sense in in group defending or team defending. So uh, there's a skill set to be taught there within defending as well. But I I agree with Sean. I think the kind of rise of the Internet uh, and and YouTube and and then Instagram and Facebook and all of these things, it – the sexy part of the game is is the Barcelona tiki taka possession style play. The player player players like Neymar, Mbappe, Ronaldo, those players get a lot of views and a lot of attention. So I think culturally the game shifted towards as Sean's alluding to, right, a, an attacking mindset, uh, and and a lot of emphasis is put on uh, attacking skills, ball mastery, uh, ball manipulation. Uh, at potentially the expense of the other side of the game, the ugly side, the non-sexy side of the game. Uh, but it's it's the side of the game that produces results as well. So uh, important to have that balance. But I think it's also important as coaches to, to recognize who the actual player is and who the individual is that we're working with. Like myself, I think I was a bit of a freak. I just enjoyed kicking people, heading the ball, and, <laughs> and playing it to everyone else. Who, uh, who could actually play the game. And that's what I enjoyed about it. I think rugby or lacrosse probably would have been a better game for me if, if I would have found that as a young kid. But, but I fell in love with a ball at my feet. And I think that's the core of it, is, is getting kids to fall in love with a ball and fall in love with the game. Now, how, however that happens is determined by each individual child and, and each individual kid. And I think it's the coach's responsibility to really foster that and then to bring that out in their sessions, in their games, and then challenge them to, to be as best that they can be. Yeah. Uh, thoughts yourself there, D? Yeah, spot on. Uh, I, I tend to, I tend to agree with, uh, with everything that's been said, uh, you know, you know, especially the last part here with, with, with Jordan about making sure that, you know, when we have a, when we our our responsibility as a coach is to make sure that, you know, when the kid leaves a session, they they've number one learned something, and they've enjoyed it as well. And you know, you can attach other things onto there as well too. But I think you know those two two points are are pretty high up there, because um, that's gonna you know grow the game. Um, and and what the gentleman said here is 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 absolutely spot on. So yeah. Hey, listen, we're gonna take our first break here. Uh, uh, my apologies, we should have taken it a little bit sooner. But hey. That's just the way it goes in podcasts. Uh, when we come back, we'll we'll discuss a little bit about the PDP and how it's working right now. Uh, possibly some academy club stuff. Uh, definitely some grassroots, and of course, the Premier League. And talking about Newcastle's new purchase. 
All right, we'll be uh, right back. You're listening to Soccer Talk in the Park, the official podcast of the Sherwood Park District Soccer Association. See you soon. This episode of Soccer Talk in the Park is sponsored by Icon Experience Photography, the SPDSA's official photographer. And we're back. You are listening to Soccer Talk in the Park, the official podcast of the Sherwood Park District Soccer Association. On the line, special guest Jordan Stewart. And of course, the other gentleman in the room, we have Sean Lother and Diego Vender. You know, uh, with two absentees, we've got Dan O'Drummond not here. And the newest of the fine staff here at the Sherwood Park District Soccer Association, Peyton Ross. <laughs> I know. I, was, I was struggling with that one just a little bit there. I don't know if I need more alcohol in here or not, considering it's a morning show. Um, PDP. It's, uh, what is it? It's the CSA's version of player development programming that has been instilled in clubs that are licensed by the CSA to, be, to hold a youth club license and it's it's the highest level of performance, let's say, for youth within our province and within the country. I'm assuming is is what it's supposed to be. Um, so Alberta, I know BC's had it for a while. Ontario's had it for a while. They under different versions called the HPL in BC, and I don't know what it was called in Ontario. Was it the same HPL o- or OPDL? OPDL. Okay. Um, all sort of the higher level uh, coaching and learning, if, if you want, within the youth game. Uh, PDP, player development program, new here in Alberta. We've had it since, it, it's been a tough one because since it's in, installment or since we started the program, we've had COVID for two years. And it's crazy to think that we've tried to navigate through that with regards to setting up the programming, finding time to not only train but to play matches and we've gone we've just gone through a summer where we have been able to play full-on matches and be able to travel to Calgary Calgary was able to travel up to us and play some games so I just I just want to know your guys's thoughts a on the the growth within Alberta of this programming um, your thoughts and whether things are too fast should have been a little bit slower growth uh, not fast enough um and you know a, a last thought will be whether there are enough players within the province to help a program like this survive especially with the growth and the expansion of um some newer clubs coming on board this year that want to get onto the youth license and and have these these teams um so I'll just th- throw it out there um, since you're the guest, Jordan, you can you can have the first swing if you'd like uh, about chatting about it. Uh, I love that. I feel like I'm catching a live grenade a little bit with that lead up, but uh, <laughs> let me try and fumble this grenade around. <laughs> Just keep the pin in the, it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, you've you've only half pulled it there, so I'll either pull it the full <laughs> way or I will uh, put it back in. Uh-huh. I think I think from a a lens of, of best with best which the Alberta Youth Soccer League was initially pitched as, and, and that was the initial intent. That's, I think, the way that, that buy-in was gotten through clubs. I think if we keep looking at the league with that lens and not what it's actually about, I think that we're going down a really, really difficult path. And I think that um, we're setting ourselves up with expectations that won't be fulfilled. So I've, I've chosen to not look at the league through a best-with-best best lens. I've chosen to look at the league uh, through a, a standards-based lens. That if players, if families uh, want certain standards within the training environment, within the organization that they register with, within the coaching staff, within the other services that are provided to enhance that training environment, I think the AYSL and and the PDP and the National Youth Club license is a great avenue. The the difficult part comes when the license is tied to entry within the league. But I totally understand why that is, because there has to be some sort of objective criteria to enter into the Alberta Youth Soccer League. So uh, that becomes the tricky part. And when organizations meet the standards, that CSA set out and they get endorsed and they 
receive a provisional National Youth Club license uh, and are granted entry into the Alberta Soccer League, naturally that's going to pull more players into that, that league. And if we look at it through a best-with-best best lens, there probably isn't enough players to to have, uh, you know, what are we at now? 11 clubs within Alberta um, to, to supply that many players within within that league. But, but I'm choosing not to look at it through that lens. So yeah. I'm choosing to look at it through a lens of, of players wanting a certain level of service and training environment uh, provided to them. And that's why they're registering there. I think from a from an operational standpoint, it's the league's responsibility to then match up teams more often across the schedule to competitively balance the fixtures so that there are a reduced amount of blowout should one team be weaker than another, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but but the, the great part about the National Youth Club license is, is it's forcing clubs to increase their standards. So why wouldn't we want 10 clubs, 12 clubs in Calgary achieving that level of standard? Because as the sea rises, so do all the ships. So more players will have access to better training environments more often. And hopefully we can produce better players and keep more players invested in the game for longer. Yeah. Well, uh, thoughts from yourself uh, as far as how things go? Yeah, it's it's a balancing act. So I understand Jordan's perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's important that we do increase standards across across the board. But we certainly do need a competitive balance as well. And I don't think by creating a league where you'll have multiple teams of varying standards and you now see it uh, teams one, two, three, four, you will play more fixtures against each other and teams five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, you're not good enough. You will have competitive fixtures against the other other players. So somehow we have to have a more competitive balance mm-hmm. where group team one is not fifteen goals difference than team ten. Yeah. I think that's that's important. Um, I mean, I'm an old old guy <laughs> who's been around this game a long time, and uh, I think competitiveness is important. And I'm not I'm not talking about the end result. I'm not talking about that end score, but within a game like I was taught, taught about earlier, mm-hmm. we need that competitive streak between players, but there has to be some. Has to be some meaning at the end of it as well. So oh, for sure. So the the result is important, but it's not the most important. But there has to be that competitiveness between them. Well, then I'm sure you still want that growth and development from that team ten, for example, and the players within that team to be able to develop and get better. So if they are only playing teams five through ten, um, they will get better at at some point, and then you play against that one through five or one through four, and you'll see where you land as far as your abilities. I I think coaches will see, okay, we need to work on this, this, and this to help develop the players. And it also, and it was the same thing for me. When I was in BC, when they started the HPL and everybody was like, hang on a sec, this is just a big shift from, you know, like I'll use the analogies here or the names here, like tier one all of a sudden becomes the HPL. And tier two, now becomes tier one, tier three becomes tier two. And sort of, it's like, it's like this bump up, but I still think with the, the amount of coaching that goes on and the quality of the coaching that goes on based on the standards of the league and the licenses that we all have to have to make sure we're all on the same page. I think it all gets better. Everybody uh, does get better. I to- totally agree. Yeah. I, I totally agree with that. I agree with most of Jordan's comments yeah, yeah. about this, that, the importance of raising the standard is there, mm-hmm. uh, but we still have to have that that competitiveness to really push players on to For a sure. higher level. For sure, and I think, I think the new age that's come in, 
the the newer coaches now are certainly more educated than coaches when I first started in the game. <laughs> Um, oh, but, so, sorry, I'm laughing because I, uh, I recall no. a guy showing up in gumboots, throwing a bag of balls yeah, in the field uh, with a smoke in his hand going, uh, here you go, guys. I mean, <laughs> there's no question about that. But for want of a better word, we've become too fluffy. Yeah, fair enough. And I think we do need need some bite now and again, some competitive now and again. Yeah. And it's, you know, I've I've watched academy teams in England, like you know, at, at Newcastle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and all, all all the players look the same. You know, they look it's nice and comfortable getting it, playing around the back. You know, <coughs> come back the other way. So side to side, they're great, but there's no one with that with that messy mentality of get it and go at someone. There's, there's not a lot of players like that, mm -hmm. you know? So uh, I'm sort of in 50-50 about the new, the new age of coaching and the way it used to be. Somewhere in the middle to me is, is the correct place to be. Yeah. Uh, we do have to be not nasty, but we have yeah. to hold people accountable, um, say the truth to them, not, not, not be fluffy and say, you know, you are fantastic, but, you know, I mean, just, just tell her the way it is, you know, and th there's a way to deliver that. That's not harsh. Um, but I think sometimes we're, we sort of hide the truth. Oh, couldn't agree players. more. Couldn't agree more in that, in that sense. And it's, well, I'll let, I'll let you respond a little bit here because you're coming from the development part of it more than yeah, uh, you I, can see both sides of it. But. I can see, I, I can see, from the developmental side coming into it, I, th I think I'm just going to, you know, uh, as Jordan, you know, referenced putting the pin back into the grenade and, <laughs> and, and Sean references the fluffiness of it, uh, of, of the players and, or, or, or the, the structure. Um, there's a lot more layers than just the PDP that we have to be concerned about within our structure here in Alberta. Um, you know, we just completed or players have just completed going through a Vancouver Whitecap selection process um, that's going to affect those PDP clubs as well too. Um, you know, there's different standards there. It's the same player pool, and and objectively, you have to look at that. You know, in in Jordan's lens, he looks at it with the standards based. So now, you know, I love that, and and you know, we want to be able to get best with best, like you know, Sean is alluding to in the competition side. Um, now, if you're going to have those players in a in a in a Whitecaps program, well, they're potentially pulled out of this PDP program, or they're potentially, you know, you know, and correct me, gentlemen, if I'm wrong, they might be pulled out of that environment where the clubs are doing the the role or the jobs to improve their standards, improve their coaching, get the licensing, going through the process, and 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 that puts a bit of a wrinkle into things. That's something I haven't even thought about. Was uh, was exactly how that sort of makes out. I, I think we've lost Jordan, but we'll just continue on here. Um, I, I will, uh, th my thought was that as you, as you were saying that, um, hang on a second. Now, now I'm reading, I've, I've just got an email and that was the lovely ship sound, you know, I, I'll either smell uh, really so good it's or it's phone. something. It is my phone. Of course it's my <laughs> gotta phone. Put that on vibrate or something. <laughs> yeah. No, there's a joke in there, but I was, I'm not going to go there. Um, the the whole thought process of now I've lost my train of thought. That's just bad. Am I that old that I start losing my train of thought? Yeah, I mean, I think I think we're all in agreement that we need to see standards raised across the board um, with clubs and clubs getting in the uh, national youth club license category. They, they've shown that they they have those standards and they should be should be rewarded for that for sure. But we can't put a league together with 11 teams in it and we have such a gap between team one and team 11 Agreed. is is my point um and this is not to you know to slag off csa at all i'm i'm not doing that i, yeah, be, yeah. I believe in canada of course, soccer. I've, of course. Uh, I've been part of the the system for for lots of years but um when we have such a discrepancy in abilities of, of teams it's, it's detrimental to both groups that yeah. are playing in those games. Yeah, I would agree. Hey, listen, we're going to take a short break. We'll get Jordan back on the line, uh, and we'll continue the conversation. It's been great so far. Uh, you're listening to Soccer Talk in the Park, the official podcast of the Sherwood Park District Soccer Association. That's break time.
This episode of Soccer Talk of the Park is sponsored by Icon Experience Photography, the SPDSA's official photographer. And we're back. Quick break. Back at it. Uh, we've reestablished contact with uh, Monsignor Stewart there. Okay, if you're not. You know, you're not a guy in a religious. <laughs> I don't know. I what was going to say that does not describe me at all, <laughs> but apologize for the the technical problem. Oh, uh, no worries, no worries. Especially when he's a Rangers. Fan. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I guess yeah, you'd have to exactly. be a Celtic fan to be on the other side. Uh, I wasn't going to go there, but I was just going to leave it. <laughs> hey, listen. Um, we had some thoughts that we before we lost Jordan and uh, that D was was putting out there, and we talked about the Whitecaps and the involvement with players being chosen to be part of that program. Um, so the Whitecaps are actually running the Rex program here in Alberta now, um, and and so the thought was because we were thinking, or at least I was thinking that okay, well, these players are going to be involved with Rex and not with the not with the PDP, but. As Sean was saying in the break, yeah, that's that's not true. I mean, basically, they won't be training with their groups over the winter period, um, but they will be playing any games that they play during that winter period. So, rather than you know put too much load on players and have them training four days a week with the Whitecaps and then training three days or four days with their PDP team, uh, they'll just train with the the Whitecaps both on the boys and the girls side, and then play games with their their PDP team okay right so they're they're not totally lost to the clubs yeah um is it ideal absolutely not it's not it's not ideal yeah um of course if they go on to vancouver and then sign for the super rex or go to the whitecaps full-time academy uh, then they'll lose the players but if they're still in alberta they'll still be involved yeah okay Fair enough. And, and before we left uh, or before we lost you, Jordan, you had some thoughts in regards to um, D starting off uh, his comments with the, the whole programming thing. What, what were your thoughts there that you wanted to bring up? I was just, I was just thinking about it. Like we're, we're not even 12 months into a PDP slash AYSL. So uh, I know that there's a lot of really positive and solution driven people working on the game in Alberta here. And I think, I think we've got some really good heads around the table on, on numerous committees and, and, uh, and numerous kind of connections within the community that we'll find solutions to the problems. I think that it's, it's really, really early days, uh, to, to be hyper critical, uh, of it. Uh, there's, there's obviously growing pains. There's, uh, you know, there's a certain element to, to every new venture that you're, you're kind of building the airplane as you fly it. And, and with that comes, comes some issues. So I think, I think what it looks like over the last eight months uh, is going to be very, very different from what it will look like three or four years from now. And I'm really excited to be a part of that process and to be, to be helping to build it into the, the best possible league that we can offer uh, in Alberta for players, for coaches, and for referees. Yeah, absolutely spot on, Jordan. I mean, what it's going to look like three, four, five years from now is totally different than what it is right now. It's been proven in, in you know, Ontario with the OPDL in particular, um, where at the beginning a lot of, well, not a lot, but quite a few clubs did not buy into the program. Yeah. Uh, they try to stay on their own, seeing that we'll get players to the Canadian national team, uh, outside of the OPDL, and a lot of them didn't. Uh, some did, but uh, quite a few of them didn't, and they they have now joined the OPDL. So very similar here. Uh, same thing in BC happened. Um, they they're still evolving, and I'm sure that in the AYSL will evolve over the next few years to really be the the premier league of choice here in Alberta. Yeah, uh, excited for it. It, it as a whole. Um, definitely seeing the growth there, and it does take time to build. And, and you know, I, I think our, our question about whether it was too slow or too fast, I mean, really, I, I don't think it's either either or. I, I think you, you just build it, and, and as you said, Jordan, you've got the committees and the different people that are involved that are very great people uh, that can help to uh, – you know, not necessarily, not not a streamline, but we'll just get to this to the point where we that growth is positive and in the right direction. 
Yeah, I just think that, uh, you know, we said the word before, collaboration. I think there's more, there has been more collaboration over the course of the last two years, uh, three years maybe, you know, than, than there has been in the past. A lot of, you know, a lot of clubs have been on islands and in the past and, you know, the progressiveness of, of clubs moving forward. Um, I know, Sean, you're, you know, you're on the phone with the TDs here around the, around the city and, and it's just it's just great that you know we can have some of a progressive mindset to you know to get together and really put our put the players not just of our own clubs but of of everyone's club first and and uh, it's good to see i mean we're going to be the change if there is going to be a change right us guys coming in and, and and working with players so um to get out of old ways you have to be able to to progress so i just i think the conversations have been started the collaborations happening and and it's positive for alberta yeah, it, it's great overall. Um, and, and looking forward to it. Let's shift gears a little bit to the grassroots part of things, which is where everything sort of starts anyways, grassroots. And it, uh, there's going to be a huge chunk of the grassroots level player that makes the decision, hopefully, that they want to take that next step to, um, I, I don't know, just to, just to progress their game and, and to try and get to the next level. Um, just a just yep. a just a point of order. Sure, sure. As you're sure. saying, yeah, yeah, no, no, no. Um, PDP is grassroots as well. Let, let's be let's it, be honest. I mean, grassroots is anything below a professional level. Okay, right. So maybe it's the you know the performance part of grassroots, but it's certainly. It's all grassroots. Okay. I think what we're talking about is those younger ages. ages for sure. And U4 that's... U4 to U, U9. Yeah. You know, the, the players that are playing in community type soccer where mm. they just want to train maybe once a week or just play a game once a week. Yeah. You know, the parents want to come watch them play. You know, that type of soccer is essential. Yeah. Uh, that is probably the most important area of the game. Yeah, for sure. Uh, to get kids to love the game uh -huh. and, get, and get, get involved in it. Um, so we can't, you know, give time to those to those players, and, and that's the point. Yeah. To, yeah, that's the point I was trying to make. Is with those players, how hard can you push them? How hard do you want to push them? Um, I, I, I'm not sure how it operates. You push them as hard as they want to be pushed. At the end of the day, the players make the decisions if they want to commit and and train more and then get to a higher level. That's up to them. Mm -hmm. You know, we we can't force players. We can certainly encourage them and work with them, inspire them yeah. to go to higher levels of play. But at the end of the day, and we've said it a million times, Alfonso Davis made Alfonso Davis, nobody of, else. Of course, of course. Uh, what, what about the up in, uh, up in? What about down in Calgary there, Jordan? How are things going with you guys? <laughs> I don't know. I, I need to drink or something. <laughs> yeah, you might have to refuel after last night or something, D-Dub. I don't know. Um, the yeah, I, th I think just wanted to echo Sean's comments. Like the players build their pathways as well. The players develop themselves. I think that the uh, the player has to fall in love with the game. And I think from a system point of view, it, it's our job as a system and and as operators within that kind of soccer system to make sure that they fall in love with the game first and foremost. So that overarching principle of as many as possible for as long as possible in the best environment as possible becomes a reality. Mm -hmm. uh, that's the core goal and, and the overarching principle that I think everyone has to be operating under. And, and we're starting to see that, that the clubs and organizations that put all of their emphasis into their their tier one programming and, and two or three teams do so at their own peril. And, and five to six years later, they struggle to remain viable as an organization. If you, if you neglect the really young ages, the, the recreational player, the, uh, the novice, the beginner at any age level, you have no idea what they could become if given the right time and, and energy and coaching and, and resources put into them, you have no idea who they would be. And they could become the next Alfonso Davies, the next Steph Labe, right? They, you have no idea. No one's got that crystal ball. So it's, yeah. it's vitally important to be, to be equal when we're, 
when we're putting in resources into the game and, and effort into, to all levels of players and coaches for that matter. Yeah, absolutely love that. Were you on my uh, were you on my phone calls at assessments to, uh, with me, Jordan? Or I uh, know, absolutely love that, mate. Uh, totally agree, hundred um, percent. Time and opportunity. Um, players will go through growth spurts throughout you know the grassroots stages as they enter you know adolescent you know teenage stages in in life. It's you, you never know what your end product's going to be if you don't give it time and opportunity. Um, and and I absolutely agree, one thousand percent. And for the, for those that you know potentially have a, a narrow mindset of of looking at an 11 year old and and determining that that 11 year old is going to be the next best 21 year old well i'm not sure you're, you're going to be on an island by yourself if that's the mindset that you have so you know i can't i can't agree more yeah um the smell of mcdonald's is now in our room <laughs> i just thought i'd throw it out there I, at least if that bag was closed we wouldn't be smelling it as much but uh, that's monopoly it, you know what it, it is close to lunch hour but uh we're gonna we're gonna push on for a few more uh few more minutes go ahead yeah that mcdonald's is mine i know, I know it's yours <laughs> i was just delivered but just, it, but it's a chicken wrap oh is it chicken <laughs> yeah. I, you must have fries in there oh i'm 100 that's 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 the smell that's the smell of the fries can you smell that through the phone line jordan <laughs> You know what? That smell is so uh, recognizable. I can imagine it. My brain is processing that. I'm going, oh, I can totally imagine what you guys have got going on in the office. It's not part of the National Youth Club License Nutrition Standards, by the way. No. But uh, <laughs> I think it's just something. I do, I do love I do love that you justified it, though, as a chicken wrap, not a, a McChicken or chicken nuggets. <laughs> or, or Big Mac. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey, listen, we're going to we're going to shift gears totally here. It's been great banter, great talk in regards to um, the PDP youth development and, and and just making sure your players, whether they're, you know, just starting out or whether they've you know been at an advanced stage for, for a little while and, and, and just making sure that the performance levels are there and, and that uh, the coaching standards are there as far as um, how we speak to our players and how do we get them to develop and become those next level players help them to become the next level players. It's as Sean's alluded to, it, it truly is up to the athlete themselves as to what direction and how far they want to take their games. So um, speaking of games, let's go right to the premier league and the huge news that was uh, launched at the very beginning of the show by our Newcastle fan, Sean Lother. So, Reiterate that story again. What's happened? Well, it's just it happened this morning that it's been confirmed that the takeover has, has occurred. Uh, and as Dee said, uh, massive, massive development for Newcastle United. Uh, the injection in that club will be enormous. It's a sleeping giant. We all know that. It's, you know, they get 50, 55,000 every week when they're bottom of the table or in the second division or whatever. Or championship now, um, you know. So it's just a great, a great opportunity for the club to to push on and get back into Europe and all those sorts of wonderful things. I just can't believe it. I've just been shown. But go ahead, do you? I said just just to give everybody a little bit of insight into what Sean's talking about. So I'll give you number two of the richest football clubs uh, owners and Man City's at twenty three point two billion dollars. Uh, RB Salzburg. And I believe that's in Austria, fifteen point seven billion dollars. Um, PSG, another big club, six point five billion dollars. Newcastle United's owners from the Saudi group, three hundred and twenty billion dollars. Now that's the purchase price. That's, that's, how, much no, that's, that's how, much how much they're, they're worth. worth. That's how much they're worth. Yeah, it, it was sold for three hundred million dollars. Uh, oh. Sorry, pounds. So yeah, yeah, five hundred million dollars. Oh my God. What do you think, Jordan? You, you got that kind of loose cash just hanging around? <laughs> Darren, if I had that kind of loose cash kicking around, I don't think I'd be talking to anyone right now. I'd be sitting in St. <laughs> Lucia or St. Kitts, just living the dream. But uh, I, I don't know. There's there's some controversy around it as well, and there's some human rights issues, uh, I think, with some of the owners and their companies. I haven't looked into it too, too far, but I know that there was a lot of people crying out for – for the Premier League and, and the FA to start to have some regulations on uh, on who's actually buying these clubs and, and if they're actually uh, got a clean track record or not. So I'll let people do their own individual 
uh, investigations into that because I don't have all the answers. But uh, I was noticing on social media this morning that there was there was some talk of of some potential question marks associated with it. All I know, that's a lot of bottles of Newcastle brown ale. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, and it's funny because you look at Newcastle's positioning and they're, what, 19th in the league at the moment. And uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a start. I mean, we were talking about it in one of the breaks. Uh, Dee was mentioning that the January window is going to be coming up for purchasing and trades and all that sort of thing. And uh, what's the potential of Newcastle, you know, having some players purchased for great sums that will come in and maybe help out in the uh, second half of the season. Oh, maybe they can bring Jaime Rodriguez back from wherever he landed. I think he went out, out east somewhere. Some big players, you know, that, are, that, that have left the premiership or have left, uh, you know, big clubs and gone out to China or gone out to Dubai or, you know, all those areas to play. You know, maybe those maybe those players come back, or maybe they, or maybe there's a, a, a Mbappe signing, or maybe there's a he's a, he's going to be a free agent next year, and yeah, there's a, there's lots of there's lots there's of lots of stuff, lots of stuff yeah. on the table. Yeah, I mean, I think there'll be some signings. I don't think it's going to be a massive overhaul yeah. of the of the squad. I think they'll they'll be patient with it. They'll just try and get players in that can keep them up this year, and then put together a plan moving forward. But um, I can't see him going out and buying, yeah, ten players or whatever. No, I, I'm just uh, we're just going by. I'm, one on, I'm on the other side of that. I think they're going to go buy this, just splash cash, splash <laughs> cash. And it's uh, I, 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 I'm sorry, I'm not really paying as much attention as I should. But is Mr. Bruce still at the helm there? Right for now? now, right now he is. Yeah. yeah, are they still screaming the with the banners out there? Get rid of him, and he's out. And yeah, that yeah. that that'll go on for. I actually, I actually played with Steve Bruce as a kid. Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah, but if Steve, if Steve Bruce has some has has money and players, but I agree, I agree, and he's able to to, to build a squad. Why why wouldn't they give him an opportunity? Yeah, I don't think he'll stay. I think they'll they'll make a change there. Really? Uh, that's just my personal opinion. Yeah, based upon what I know. What about you, uh, Jordan? Have you got like a, a favorite within that league, or um, anybody that you follow more often than not? You know what? Everyone slags me off for my Man favorite, but, uh, but it's Man United. It's, uh, it was my dad's club, and it was about all that we would watch on Soccer Saturday with Jerry Dobson on our, our little 12-inch tube TV growing Jerry up. Jerry Dobson. So, That's a name so I haven't that, heard for a while. Uh, that, was, that was kind of what I grew up with. So I know everyone will say, oh, you're a glory hunter, you're this, you're that, but uh, that was just who I was fortunate enough to be uh, – you know, endeared with from a really, really young age. Yeah, you know what? I I tend to follow keepers um, and the ones that, you know, for for me have uh, just great potential or fun to watch, that type of thing. So I I followed Vandazar quite a bit. So when he first landed, when he came from Ajax and ended up in the uh, Premier League, I mean, he he was originally at Leeds. No, not Leeds. uh, No, maybe it was. No, he was at Fulham, wasn't it? No, it was Fulham. It was Fulham. And then he went from Fulham to Man U. So I was watching Man U a fair amount at that point. De Gea, when he first came into the league, followed him. Like Fabian Barthez. You know what? I wasn't a big Barthez fan. I no. still still not. But Char- character though, wasn't he? It was yeah. a great character, and he was short. So because of that, I I love seeing that. I. I I watched. I was able to watch a little bit of um, the FC Edmonton game, for example, CPL. Actually, so a bit like you, short and bald. Yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> Except minus the weight, <laughs> but he doesn't eat enough but, cake. But Con- Connor James, he's what five eleven, maybe six feet at best. Phenomenal game yesterday. Played yeah, so well, and uh, so I have a lot of a lot of thoughts that these shorter goalkeepers need to be given that opportunity. I, I mean. Pepe Reina. Yeah, he's another one who was yeah. 5'10 and, and was oh, able to play. Team. And just I, I just don't think there's so much miss. I don't know. There's been a lot like that. I mean, Campos was was only. He was even short. He was like 5'9. Yeah. Yeah, he was he short. Was, and wasn't he a, 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 an attacker or a striker yeah. on his club team? Unbelievable feat. Oh. Like, incredible. And, and an ability to fly, too. Tino Lettieri, very short. Another short guy. And Rob Merkel, another yeah. short guy. Uh, played with the Vancouver Whitecaps or 86ers back then. Um, 
Yeah. Anyway, that's that's how I end up following Premier teams. I'm 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 an open book as far as like wanting to see just quality games. So it's definitely the. It's- I, th- I think you're ahead of the curve there, D Dub, because I think a lot of kids nowadays are just following players, right? They're they're a fan of Mbappe or Neymar or Messi. It doesn't matter where the player goes; they'll just buy the new shirt. So. I, th- I think that's going to be a fundamental shift that we see at the top level of the game. I think player brands are going to become really, really powerful and they'll command uh, a lot of attention as opposed to the club commanding a lot of attention. Oh, so t- you were just ahead of the game there, man. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. I guess so. I, I, I don't know if I, I am or not, but it's too bad Dano wasn't here because his, his Tottenham team, they finally won a game. They had lost three in a row. <laughs> and, and now they've actually got back into the win column, which was good. But yeah, it's uh, Spurs is in a bit of a transition, but uh, the the league is just uh, unbelievably competitive. You know, to watch in or watching the highlights, sorry of the of the City Liverpool game from last weekend, and and that's what you know, the first half I'm 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 looking seeing is pretty 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 dull. But that second half, if you can get football like that, oh my, good. Unbelievable! I'm trying to think if I saw the game. No, it was, it was a Sunday game. I was I, I, I'm a, on my way to Fort Saskatchewan. Yeah, everyone knows that I'm a Liverpool fan, but yeah. the, the the ended Phil, up a draw, right? Two two draw, but yeah. the Phil Foden goal, just just the execution of the build up in from from City was just absolutely world class. Yeah, it was unbelievable, and the finish too, just just unbelievable. So one year from now, it'll be talking about Man City versus Newcastle. that'd be fantastic now obviously our united fan here must have something to say about that (laughs) that'll only be in the transfer market sean that won't be in the league table (laughs) we'll see you know what i i I just like the fact that there's good battles that can be had and you know news like that's got to spur on both the management and the players that there's you know um the possibility of growth where things have been maybe a little bit stagnant. I don't know if they have or not. It's massive for the players. Yeah. I mean, right now, all those players are saying, I'm going to prove that I'm going to stay here for all these big names coming in to be part of that. Yeah. You know, so it's going to inspire players big time. Uh, that'll be, that's that's an exciting process to watch, regardless of the club, um, and, and just making sure that they stay above that line. <laughs> they're not that far off. What is it here? I'm looking at the points. Well, they've got three. Three points on seven games. And the the club they have to jump, uh, Southampton, has four. So a draw <laughs> and they're out of the, the dumpster, so to speak. Um, but very exciting. CPL news. Anything um, CPL-wise that you, you want to chat about? It was nice that uh, FC got a win last night. Um. Yeah. Um. Definitely out. At, I was out at the FC game. Um. Last night, and and it was just it was nice to just see the see the lads get three points. Um. Couple slow. No, three probably three slow starts in a row for them. You know, giving up early early leads in the first half, and then having to to come back in and and other, you know, get back cl- uh, close or or tie up the game and. Um, I just the the progression has been great to the season. Are they they're nowhere near the fin- finished product they need to be? Mm-hmm. Um, however, it was, it was entertaining to watch uh, you know watch some some good football last night. So, and everybody knows again, I'm, I'm an Edmontonian and I'm proud and I <laughs> and I and I put the colors on my chest and 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 we do that because we know that we need to grow the game here and and we've got a professional team to support. So. Um, I don't care about where the standard is of the league, or where they, or where it sits in everybody's mindset of you know how good it is or not. It's still our league, so it's still our team. So, yeah, it was it was good to see them get a result. Yeah. What about the Calgary end of things? I know you're a Sherwood Park guy at uh, at heart there, Jordan. But do you get a chance to see some of the Calgary uh, Calgary games? You know what? I'm going to actually clarify that. I'm actually an Ardrossing guy at heart. Ardrossing. There you go. Of, just outside of Sherwood Park, but. Um, you know what, with, with the baby at home and, and with COVID and things like that, I haven't been able to make it out to any cavalry games yet, which is horrendous of me to say, because, uh, you know, I was going to say, just echo D's point. It's, it's important that we support this league and that we support the teams in it. And I've got my one soccer membership, so I'm trying to tune into games here and there. Uh, but again, like cavalry are right up and around the top of the table. Tommy does a, a great job at, 
at uh, organizing the team and, and remaining competitive. This is three straight years and, and certainly not an easy time with COVID kind of wreaking havoc on a, on a very young league. I think, I think the league as a whole has done an amazing job of, of sticking with it, remaining viable and, and putting a really good product uh, for, for kind of their, their infancy stages out on the field. Um, I think, I think we get spoiled a lot with, with the zone and and with La Liga and and with everything being broadcast over here that we see this, this world-class level. And I think people are really, really quick to judge the CPL on, on where their level is. It's a decent standard and, and there's some good players in that league and there's some very good teams in that league. So people, I think, that are, are sleeping on the league a little bit need to wake up, need to get the one soccer membership, get out, buy a jersey, get out to a game. The atmospheres are great uh, and support your local club because, you know, we've been crying out for this for ages. This is uh, this is a part of our player, our coach, and even our referee pathway now is to get into the CPL as the top league uh, domestically in Canada. Uh, get behind it. Like, support it. Uh, there's there's enough negativity in, in the soccer culture and in the community. Like let's promote some positivity. Yeah. The things that, the thing that I loved about, you know, last night and, uh, and a couple of nights ago when, when, when FC played at least is that um, the game, well, there was no, there was no daylight outside. So there was no soccer practice. There was soccer games going on so that, you know, another another reason for, you know, families and, and players to get out. And I think that's always a struggle through the summer months where, you know, you've got competitive soccer matches on the youth side going on, grassroots matches on the youth side going on, recreational matches, adult team matches going on. And and then you plop a game in on a Tuesday night at six o'clock in, in June. You know, it's it's going to definitely it's here in, in, in our city. It's very, very tough for, for fan crowd and things like that. Right. Yeah. Especially in the outdoor game. Yeah. On your list, you have any other thoughts? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> how, how about Mexico and Costa Rica coming here in November? Oh, my gosh. When I saw that. That's brilliant. I exploded, both with delight of the fact of being able to see a quali- World Cup qualifying match here in Edmonton. So we all have the prospect of hopefully going there. I'm I'm hoping we'll cancel everything those evenings so we can actually go to these matches. Yeah, it's it's massive, and um, I mean, good on John Herdman. I'm sure oh. I'm sure it was John that made the decision to bring it to Edmonton or yeah, try to bring it to Edmonton because he's his attention details are fantastic. Yes, uh, he wants to make it as uncomfortable as possible for the Central Americans to come in here, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. Oh, Maybe so, very cold, but I'm looking forward to it. Uh, we've all got parkas and gloves yeah. here and toques. You, are you going to drive up for that one, Jordan? <laughs> a thousand percent I will be at those matches. That's, <laughs> that's vital to be at those. The last men's national team game I was at at Commonwealth Stadium was when Trinidad and Tobago oh. came up and Dwight York was oh, playing and he mate. signed one of my United jerseys for that's me. So that br- tells you just how long it's been since our men's national team have actually played in Edmonton. Wow. We, we must have been we must have been sitting across from each other. <laughs> we might have been. We were probably trying to fight for the autograph. Oh man, he got one chance in that match. He got one chance yeah. and they won 1-0. Yeah, it was yeah. crazy. That is awesome. And what a prospect to, to, to be able to see those matches. Game tonight, obviously, with the uh, the podcast being edited on Fridays, out on Saturdays. Uh, that game will have been had tonight's game against Mexico. So uh, we're looking for a result there. Hopefully it'll be a positive one. And um, man, it's, it's exciting. It's times. a great time. Exciting times for sure. So I tried to call Jason DeVos yesterday about a couple of different things. And uh, he sends back a, a picture via text of him at the Azteca. Nice. Says, I'm a little bit busy, Sean. I'll get back to you. <laughs> no problem. Enjoy. Get a result. <laughs> well, and that's the other thing is it's at Azteca. I'm sure some of these younger players, I mean, although they've played in big stadiums for some of them, Azteca's just got a special feeling about it too, as far yeah. as world stages go. Yeah. I mean, obviously it's a world-class stadium. I mean, it's massive. Um, but the mentality, like we talked about earlier, the mentality of that team is screw it yeah don't care who we play where we play them we're going for a result so i expect them to be 
well organized tonight um, and they'll believe that they can get a result. Yeah. And hopefully they do. Wow. Wow. And on that note, gentlemen, we will say thanks to Jordan for being part of this broadcast. Jordan, as always, uh, great to chat with you and, and, and great to have you on board and hear your thoughts. Yeah, thanks so much, guys. Really appreciate it. And thanks for all the work that you're doing up in Shore Park. I know you guys do great work and and uh, continue putting out a, a good product for, for your members and players and coaches. So kudos to you guys and thanks for being open to having me on. No worries, Thanks, mate. buddy. Yeah, uh, and then, appreciate and you, man, and appreciate uh, you know learning from you over the course of the year that we spent together uh, last a uh, couple years ago now, and and just to see the progression that you're taking with Calgary Minor, and uh, it's it's awesome, man. Well done. Yeah. Just- all right. Forward all the time. That's where we go. So thanks, guys. <laughs> no worries, mate. So from Sean Lother and Deagle Vendor, we will chat with you again soon, hopefully with uh, Dano and our other uh, young lady, Peyton Ross, being part of the program, too. Anyways, you've been listening to Talk and Talk in the Park, the official podcast of the Sherwood Park District Soccer Association. We'll see you again soon. You've been listening to Soccer Talk in the Park, the official podcast of the Sherwood Park District Soccer Association.